Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Most of us remember from our childhood the story of the rich man who came to Jesus asking what he must do in order to have eternal life. The Lord's answer, instructing the man to go and sell all that he possessed and to give the proceeds to the poor, was more than the young man could bear. And so he turned away in despair of his inability to do what seemed to be required. The Lord's disciples also expressed their dismay over his words to this rich young ruler. To which the Lord answered, It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. This passage from Mark chapter 10, though famous as a Bible story, is also one that has perplexed many students of the Bible. For there's no place in Scripture where we are given such a requirement in order to be saved. Our salvation is by faith and not according to our works such as selling all and giving all to the poor. So how should we understand such a story? Well, to help us with that, Ron Kangas is joining us today. Uh, Good portion today, isn't it, Ron? It is, and I welcome the opportunity to fellowship on uh, what, at least in part, is the answer to your question. How should we understand this story? And as we will see, we should understand it uh, not only in the context of the Gospel of Mark, as a whole, but according to the context of the second part of chapter 8 and the first half of chapter 9 in particular, which portion of Mark is the highlight of the revelation in this gospel concerning Christ and the cross and the kingdom. And the kingdom is the answer. The young man did not ask What must he do to be saved? Actually, the comment about being saved was made by the disciples. The young men asked how to have eternal life. And having eternal life in this context is not the same as that mentioned in John chapter 3, that we believe into the Son of God and Mm -hmm. we have the eternal life, the divine life in our regenerated spirit. To have eternal life here is to enter into the kingdom of God. The Lord's own word indicates that. The young man asked about having eternal life. The Lord spoke a word about entering into the kingdom of God. So here, to have eternal life is to inherit eternal life, that is to enter into the kingdom of God in the coming age of the kingdom. What I'm trying to say here is that the kingdom is the key. Mm. We should not isolate this story from the kingdom message in the Gospel of Mark. 
Let's set our context today. We're looking really not singly at this story of the rich young ruler unable to uh, meet the requirement. We're looking at chapter 10 more in total today, and it is a chapter that deals with the kingdom. There are actually three stories or events chronicled in this chapter. The first one, a question related to divorce that the Lord answered. The second one, uh, which I want to read a verse uh, to bring this one out because it, it really reemphasizes this matter of the kingdom, that, that this is a chapter on the kingdom, and all three of these uh, stories are related to the kingdom. The second one is about children, young children. But Jesus, seeing it, was indignant and said to them, allow the little children to come to me. Do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. And then the third story, the one we opened with, the story of this rich young man, and also, again, the Lord's answer to him, indicated that the context in which the Lord Jesus was speaking is the kingdom, and certainly then that is the context we should bring in our understanding as we look at this chapter. All right, let's join Witness Lee with the first portion. Everybody considers Mark is not so deep as Matthew, as John. I believe every Bible reader considers Mark a storybook before bed for the children. But when I began to read the notes, the light came. This chapter, chapter 10, is a chapter for the teaching to the people who are in the highlight of the divine revelation, who have really seen the all-inclusive replacement, that is a living person, so wonderful, so excellent, and so all-inclusive with his death and resurrection. You must have this as your ground, as a sphere you are in to receive this chapter. In this chapter, you have three things. What three things? Number one, the things about divorce. Marriage, the second, children, young children, and the third, the riches. All these three things, they are related to the kingdom. To enter into the kingdom, you need the replacement of Christ. And you need the application of his death. And you need the wonderful enjoyment of his resurrection. Only when you have... Christ replacing you, sorry to say, not a one for you, but a dirt to you. The Lord Jesus opened up yourself in one of the chapters to show you how dirty you are. Your heart is just a composition of all the dirt. You, as such, need Christ to replace you and need his death to terminate you. To turn me dirty you, dirty me, and need his resurrection to bring him in as our life supply to be our real bread of life. If we have Christ as such a replacing one, and we experience his terminating death, and his supplying resurrection, we can handle this three problems. Ron, we're just in the first section, but it seems to me that uh, this section also provides us with the answer to the perplexing question we opened with and really provides or would have provided this rich young ruler who was struggling with the demand uh, the answer also. 
What about this matter of Christ being our replacement related to the kingdom? In chapter 7, the Lord thoroughly exposes the human heart. And we know that our heart is our acting agent, our representative. That's what we are. Right. And for our heart to be corrupted as it is, and as the Lord exposes it, we realize our problem is with our being, with our constitution, not merely with our behavior. So to enter the kingdom is not merely what action should I do, what pleasing thing should I do. Why wouldn't he just say, uh, Lord, I want to be in the kingdom. I want eternal life. You tell me to sell all my money and give all my possessions and give it to the poor. I would gladly do it. His heart would not allow him to. What was in his being would not allow him to. He needed Christ as Brother Lee just has presented him. We need Christ in his person to replace us. But we cannot have Christ apart from his all-terminating death and his wonderful life-imparting, germinating resurrection. If we want to enter the kingdom, we have to realize we're not qualified in ourselves just to enter in. By our natural life, we cannot fulfill the requirements of the kingdom. We need Christ to be the person living in us. We need the Lord's death and his resurrection. So we understand this incident in light of the kingdom, and we understand the kingdom in relation to the revelation concerning Christ with his death and his resurrection. The kingdom is actually, in the sense of life, the expansion of Christ as the king. Uh, It's the realm in which he rules by the divine life. For us to enter into this realm and thereby enter into eternal life, we need the death of Christ with all that entails and apply to us. And we need his resurrection. Only when we have Christ with his death and resurrection applied to our being in such a way that Christ replaces us can we fulfill the requirements of entering into the kingdom of God. Mm. Well, this chapter, as we've now been discussing, deals with the kingdom. It opens with one of these verses that maybe is easy for most of us to to treat as sort of throwaway words, but I want to read it. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 1, And he rose up from there and came into the borders of Judea, beyond the Jordan. And again crowds came together, and as he was accustomed, again he taught them. This matter, Ron, that uh, he leaves Galilee now and comes into Judea uh, is really not, as we'll hear in the portion just ahead, extraneous or superfluous information. It's critical, particularly in light of the kingdom. Here's Witness Lee once more. The sleep savior had been ministering in his gospel service for over three years in the despised region of Galilee, far from the holy temple and the holy city, the place where he must die. Yes, we all know today as Christians, he must die for us. But you have to ask, where, when? Both the place and the time were ordained by God in Old Testament. This safe saver, he has no choice for his death. 
He had no choice. He was a slave. He, as the Lamb of God, should be offered to God at Mount Moriah. Where Abraham offered Isaac, and where the temple was built in Jerusalem, it should also be there that he would be crucified according to the Romans' tale of capital punishment to fulfill the type concerning the kind of death he would die. Moreover, that very year was the year that Messiah Christ should be cut off according to Daniel's prophecy. Furthermore, as the Passover lamb, he must be killed in the mint of the Passover. The year we found out, the mint we found out, then how about the day? He must go to Jerusalem before the Passover that he might die there on the day of the Passover. i like to ask you, he had been ministering there in Galilee over three years. Why all of a sudden, by this time, he rose up to go to the south, to the district of Judea, beyond the river Jordan. Why? Because the time was really approaching. The time of his death. He must die in that year. That was the year Daniel prophesied. And he must die in the midst of Passover, typified by the Passover lamb. And he must die on the day of the Passover. That is, the first month of Jewish calendar, the 14th day. He must die in that month and on that day. Otherwise, he cannot catch the train. He'd be left, left by God's economy. You see, the train of God's economy on schedule. If you don't keep the schedule, you miss the train. No small thing. Ron, this portion is a real window into how this man, this brother, studied the Bible and the pattern that it gives to us, isn't it? It is. First of all, nothing is taken for granted. Right. Every portion of Scripture is respected. There is much seeking of the Lord and much prayer out of a pure heart. Then look what comes forth. What we might think is merely a segue, uh, a historical detail about the Lord entering into the borders of Judea. When, according to Mark's account, his ministry, as related by Mark, is mainly in Galilee. Right. Then why now, seemingly all of a sudden, Judea? Well, God has a will, and God has a timing, as well as a way to carry out his will. The death of Christ was foreordained. The Lord was sent to the earth, as he knew, as the second of the divine trinity, to die for our sins and to die on our behalf. According to the Old Testament, this death would be by crucifixion. It had to be in the place where Isaac was offered, Mount Moriah. According to the prophecy in Daniel 9, mm-hmm. it had to be at a certain time. According to the typology of the Passover, it had to be on a certain day. And all of this is brought forth in our brother's ministry in response to considering this simple verse about the movement of the Lord into Judea, because he's going there purposely. 
because the time and the place of his crucifixion are set, they're scheduled in God's economy. And our Lord would never miss, and he did not miss, the train of God's economy. Hmm. He died at the time, he died in the place, appointed and determined by God. Okay, let's come back now in our final segment today to this uh, story of the rich young ruler, this rich young man, unable, apparently, to meet the requirement for entering into the kingdom of God. At the uh, Lord's word about it being easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom, it says, but the disciples were astonished beyond measure and said among themselves, then who can be saved? Looking upon them, Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. All right, here's Witness Lee for our final portion. Rising up from there, he comes into the district of Judea and beyond the Jordan. As he was accustomed, he taught them. He taught them what? I'd like to read to you another verse to show you these are not stories for the children before bedtime. Verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a young child shall by no means enter into it. This verse indicates strongly this teaching concerning young children is directly related to the kingdom of God. Concerning the kingdom of God, there are two aspects. Number one, to receive it. Number two, to enter into it. If I ask you, have you received the kingdom of God? What would you answer? Amen. Amen. Now, are you going to enter into the kingdom of God? You have to say, yes, we are now. We are now endeavoring to enter. Then number three, do you have the assurance that you will enter? <laughs> I don't have the assurance, definitely, I can enter in. Then, in the third case, concerning the rich man, that is altogether related to the kingdom. Well, let's read verse 25. And it is either for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. This is not a bad story. It's too serious. The disciples, especially Peter, they were even more astounded and said among themselves, then who can be saved? The Lord is teaching about entering into the kingdom, but they understand in a way to be saved. Their mentality was the same as ours. But... This is not eternal life for salvation. What is contained in this chapter is altogether related to the receiving and entering of the kingdom. Well, Ron, this is really the key point, I think, today. In the disciples' thinking, probably in many, most of our listeners, and surely at earlier stage in our uh, Christian understanding, in our thinking, the kingdom just means the heaven. So to uh, enter into kingdom is to enter into heaven, is to be eternally saved. 
Apparently not, right? Definitely not, according to what the Bible is actually saying. But what you just pointed out is a classic illustration of reading and studying the Bible in a traditional way. And that tradition becomes a veil. I remember when I was a a youth hearing a, a preacher give a message from Hebrews and how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And he gave a gospel message. And the gospel message was all right. But the point is, I learned years later, that's not what Hebrews is talking about. Hebrews is giving us a profound revelation of Christ and of the new covenant and and of the kingdom and the coming age. But so many of what are called evangelical Christians, they just have this one note, to be saved, to be saved. That's all the Bible talks about. Everything is related to being saved, having your sins forgiven and going to heaven and having eternal life. And the matter of the kingdom is almost completely veiled. And when someone comes to the pure word, as does Brother Lee, and presents the revelation of the kingdom according to what Mark is actually saying, many are shocked, or they just can't take it. Their thoughts are filled with who can be saved and how can I be saved and to enter the kingdom uh, is to be saved and to be saved is to go to heaven and eternal life is to be in heaven. They are leavened. They're poisoned. They're veiled. They're hindered. They're frustrated. It's quite serious. So in this ministry, our brother by the Lord's grace and mercy, divested himself of all the old traditional religious things and came to the pure word with a pure heart, trusting in the anointing of the Spirit, seeking the Spirit's enlightening. And as a result, there comes forth this precious ministry. The kingdom is a central matter in the New Testament. It is a crucial matter for God. We do him and also ourselves a disservice if we make the New Testament revelation revolve around our need to be saved as we think what it means to be saved. We need to be revolutionized in our understanding and recentered on Christ with his death and resurrection for the kingdom. The message in the broadcast today is a kingdom message. All of these narratives in Mark chapter 10 embody kingdom principles. We need to understand this portion of Mark in the light of the kingdom, and the kingdom requires Christ with his death and resurrection to be our replacement. This ministry is for Christ with his death and resurrection for the sake of the kingdom of God. Ron, I'd like to make a stronger-than-usual recommendation at the end of the program. We always recommend the printed material, the printed life studies. Because of the seriousness of this topic, the tone in which you have a, a fellowship today, I think the kind of urgency we sensed in Witness Lee speaking, it's critical for the real seekers listening that they get into this matter and understand it thoroughly. And we haven't been able, because of all the material, to really develop it to uh, you know a high level today. So I think that in addition to the life study of Mark, which we're now covering, 
also recommend the life study of Matthew, also recommend the recovery version. The footnotes in both Matthew and Mark particularly are enlightening to open up this matter of the kingdom, to see the difference between just being saved in a general way and entering in specifically to the kingdom as presented, in, particularly in these two Gospels. I, I think you'll probably join me in that recommendation. I join you by offering a hearty amen and encourage the readers, if you really are seeking the kingdom first, please receive the help from these ministry materials. They're very enlightening, encouraging, and supplying. We offer this, uh, really, we're not uh, here just trying to sell books in a general way. Of course, you know, we do have to sell material to stay in uh, operation, but that's not our primary goal. This isn't a profit motive-driven uh, recommendation. It's sincere for, again, all of the seeking ones. This is a, a critical matter, and as Ron, as you pointed out, it's been woefully misunderstood, overlooked, underemphasized. I don't know what other adjectives to bring, but I'll, I'll just leave it with those. So we encourage you, contact us, our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. That's all the time we have. We hope you'll be with us as we continue our life study in the Book of Mark. Ron Kingus, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Are you enjoying this program online or on a smartphone right now? Did you know there's much more from Living Stream Ministry that you can carry with you? Go to lsm.org slash ePublications to discover all that we have available for your tablet, e-reader, or smartphone. We support Kindle, Nook, iSilo, and ePub formats, which means you can read this ministry on any PC, Mac, Android, Palm, Blackberry, Sony, or Linux device. Everything from the recovery version of the Bible to the complete life study messages and a vast array of other titles by Witness Lee and Watchman Nee are now just a touch away. The Word of God is rich and weighty, but now you can take it with you wherever you go. Again, the website, lsm.org slash ePublications. Thanks for listening today.